Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. If you want to hear more than just this highlight from the program, become a Coast Insider. And you can listen to the full episode, plus recent shows covering the mysterious death of Kurt Cobain, the possibility that government may soon reveal the truth about UFOs, and the power of witchcraft as told by an actual practicing witch. Start listening now by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Anyways, you call the book The Five Gifts. What are they? The Five Gifts are humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. And I, I call them the unbearable gifts because nobody, nobody really wants them until you absolutely need them. Now, who has the gifts? The person who's been wronged or the person or the other person? Well, it's actually, when you talk about a person who's been wronged, it could be the person, uh, could be any of us at any time. I mean, you could really technically be on either side of the equation. Um, but the, the five gifts came to me at a time when uh, there was a lot of turmoil and, and a lot of, uh, as we talk, talk about lying and, and uh a lot of a lot of lying and cheating, and uh, kind of, when when there's a natural catastrophe, something like uh, Hurricane Sandy, um, you you really discover how dysfunctional the system is. And uh, at, at some time, some points during the way, it got very demoralizing. And so when I was meditating, these five gifts kind of came in, and I could kind of hear the words whispered, you know, in, into my mind as I was trying to to kind of get back to a place of calm and and being centered. And um, it, occurred, it, it occurred to me that these were gifts that I could share with people, uh, people who had been, um, as you say, wronged, or people who had lost someone close to them, like as September 11th, uh, people who, uh, people who had, who had witnessed, uh, or even people who were first responders who were professionals, who had been very deeply moved by dealing with uh, something traumatic. And and by trauma, we don't mean a bad hair day. I mean, we use the word trauma all the time, but it really means when 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 you are faced with uh, experience directly, exposed to, uh, or very close to somebody who has experienced a sudden violent event in which there was loss of life. Yeah, that's true. Let's go through these five gifts. I want to get your definition on them. Some of them uh, may seem very self-explanatory, but humility. Give me uh, your thoughts on that. Humility is uh, really the gift that uh, uh, I think is really not comfortable for us uh, culturally because we tend to value uh, fame and extroversion um, as witness the situation that we're in now. And so uh, with with humility, we we tend to realize that, that, as the Buddha said, that the first noble truth is that, that we suffer in this lifetime and that we all suffer. Nobody nobody gets out of the journey without some kind of suffering and pain. And humility is just understanding that fact. So instead of saying, why me, we say, why not me? It had to happen to someone. Uh, patience is uh, the gift that we certainly don't want. I mean, no one ever said, uh, dear Santa, forget the iPad, bring me patience. Yeah. But patience is the gift that, that really releases us from the frustration of just wanting it to be over. And very often, um, in fact, I think for most people, what we find is that after a, a disaster, that the health, the help cycle, which you see on television, which is kind of the feel-good, uh, everybody comes to help cycle, lasts for two months. And then after the camera leaves, the, the real 
work and, and for many people the real pain begins and patience is the gift that 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 just lets you cope with whatever is here right now instead of uh, being frustrated because it isn't over yet because there's no timetable for healing. Um, the third gift, empathy, as I said, that's the feel-good gift. Um, and it's wonderful because when, when you are connected to, to other people, uh, when you're thinking of somebody else, when you're thinking of somebody else's needs, um, that's the experience of, of empathy. And um, it, it is something which is... Um, you know, more culturally celebrated. Um, it's one of the things that we see with the kids from Parkland when they're out there demonstrating is a mm-hmm. sense of interconnectedness, and uh, it's, it's profoundly important. But of all the gifts, it's, it's the only one that, that really has a, a... you get kind of a high from it. Uh, the fourth gift, forgiveness, is probably the most prob- problematic because not everybody can forgive, not everybody will forgive, and as I point out, um, it, as I point out in this chapter, uh, forgiveness is a gift. It's not a regulation. And if you're not able to, or you're not ready to forgive, um, that's okay because you know it, everything happens in its own time. Sure. And it's not easy to always forgive. It's not easy to forgive at all. But if we, you know, I, I interviewed a couple of, uh, well, a number of people who were indigenous, and uh, one of the things that I took away is in the Apache language and in the Lakota language, uh, everything is a verb. They don't have nouns. And so, especially with forgiveness, if you're in a forgiving state, in other words, if you step into what it's like to be forgiving, then forgiving is a process that fluctuates, and it's not a light switch that I either forgive or I don't forgive. You can forgive 2% today, 5% tomorrow, 20% next week, um, 80%, and then you can go back to 2%. And, and it's, it's a process of living in a forgiving state. It doesn't mean that you have to forgive in an all-or-nothing way. And when we change the noun to a verb, and, and we, we kind of take that shift um, into that, that mindset that the indigenous people have just through the language, and, and you go from forgiveness to forgiving, then suddenly it becomes much easier to allow yourself to forgive a little bit at a time. The final gift is growth. And growth, of course, we're growing all the time. It's a biological state. You know, we're growing all the time. Your cells are growing. They're renewing themselves. Um, you're breathing in oxygen. Or your brain and your heart are working. Uh, so, so growth is, is the process of renewal. And after a violent event, it, it may take three to five years to get to the point of growth where you actually look back at that event and can see how, even though it was extremely painful and you would never wish it on anybody, uh, the gift of growth lets you say, I wouldn't be who I am now if it hadn't been for that experience. Now, in terms of forgiveness, in my particular case, uh, Lori, I could forgive somebody who did something to my family um, tragically. Um, maybe they were drunk and somebody got hurt or, or died, God forbid. I could eventually forgive somebody for that, uh, especially if they tried to seek help and get some things done. What I can't forgive are people who are out-and-out murderers and people who harm like that intentionally. Um, does that mean there's something, some quirk with me or something? No, I think that's completely natural and, and human. But if if we were to 
if you if you were to step into what it's like to be in in a state of forgiving rather than thinking of forgiveness um perhaps at a certain point uh later on you might be able to to perceive that 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 person's cruelty um is is due to their own wounds that they've never really healed and it doesn't you know we we always think that forgive means to excuse it and it doesn't mean that we're excusing it or allowing it or we're accepting the behavior but that we we can uh forgive the the cruelty because we understand that th- this person has a really damaged dark side that's driving the personality fortunately uh i think for most of us uh everybody has a dark side but our dark sides don't drive our personalities all the time some people are really damaged and uh, they 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 really in some ways don't have a choice and when we think of the fact that they may be kind of condemned by their own biology by their genes by some horrible thing that was done to them you know as a child we may be able to step back and and forgive them just a little bit okay so let's talk about your career as a news correspondent and how did you turn that into your psychotherapist business Oh, well, it was uh, four to five years of going back to school when I was in my 40s. And uh, I uh, actually burned out covering the Iran-Contra hearings and came down with uh, uh, some type of uh, chronic fatigue virus, uh, very similar to the same family as Epstein-Barr. And as a result of that, uh, while I was sick, my, my job at CBS News was eliminated because the, the new management decided that they would break the union. And um, and there was no conventional medical treatment, so I began to study meditation and uh, applied Chinese medicine, uh, looked for natural alternatives uh, to be able to rebuild my immune system. And as a result of that experience, I, I wrote Sixth Sense, which, of course, you've had me on the show several times mm-hmm. to talk about Sixth Sense, which was the first book to look at intuition as a natural ability, like athletic ability or artistic ability. And that got me very interested in the mind and uh, how different different models of the mind work. And so I went back to school through independent study, and I did two doctorates uh, through independent study and, and opened a practice where I would be able to work with people who had been traumatized uh, very often because of events that were similar to the events that I used to write about every day in the newsroom. Good for you. And in, as you work now with teenagers, for example, who lost parents in 9-11, uh, is it difficult for them to get over that tragedy? You know, teenagers are, are funny, and, and um, you know, the teenagers who were in, in the program at the time, many of them are fathers and uh, mothers now of their own young children. But uh, teenagers tend to shut down, and, and, and by and large, they don't like publicity. Um, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, but what's really important is that they they are able to be there for each other and that there are nonverbal ways of uh, expressing support for them, letting them know that they're safe and uh, helping them to connect with each other. Uh, what, the, what, the, what we're seeing, you know, as a result of Parkland, this, this movement uh, is, is really extraordinary. But the kids who are speaking out, uh, everybody, you know, is looking at them you know, very proudly as the face of the movement. They are literally the face of the movement. They are the leaders in yes. their schools and their classes. And the majority of kids really, you know, tend to shut down and kind of suffer in silence. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, for a long time. 
and uh, sometimes they, they never really even talk about it. So it, it's tricky with, with kids. They need to know that it's safe and that it's okay for them to feel what they're feeling, but that it's not okay to isolate and it's not okay to totally shut down because then that can become dangerous. And that's what I find also when working with first responders. We're always advising people, you know, not, not to isolate after they've witnessed or experienced a, a really terrible event like uh, seeing 17 kids, uh, 17 kids killed and another 17 uh, wounded or injured. Mm-hmm. It's tragic. It, yeah. it truly is. And, and then uh, whether one agrees with uh, the, the young kids' views on guns, for example, uh, they get attacked socially uh, by some media people, uh, and that's not right either. I mean, uh, these kids are entitled to their own views and their own thoughts, and uh, you know whether we agree with them or not, uh, they shouldn't have to be attacked like that. Well, you know, I, I think things have gotten you know really out of out of hand, in, in, you know, in the sense that we we've kind of lost respect for each other. And one of the things that I, I, I kind of touch on in the book is, is that human hatred is really, uh, it's a disease. And it has spawned this epidemic of violence so that now it is socially acceptable to be mentally violent, to be, to be verbally cruel, uh, to be hostile. Uh, people of all ages are finding themselves uh, attacked or they are attacking others. It, instead of being able to have a respectful discourse. And I think it's very damaging for us as a people that uh, we're, we're going through this cycle. And I say it's a cycle because eventually it's going to turn around. But right now we're, we're, really, we're really living through very turbulent times. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.